Hello, everybody. My name is Reese Lindmark, and welcome to another edition of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future, where we explore the intersection of effective altruism, universal basic income, the attention economy, and blockchain. Today, in episode number four, we're going to explore the attention economy with Ryan X. Charles, who was the first and only cryptocurrency hire at Reddit and is now a co-founder of yours.org, a blockchain-based content platform that uses Litecoin to implement a medium with a paywall. Ryan, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Thank you very much, Reese. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Exciting. And one thing that Ryan and I talked about uh, before we kind of dive into yours is we want this to be kind of a, a little a step deeper, essentially, into the attention economy space and and something like yours, because there's lots of Ryan's done a lot of podcasts around how yours kind of operates within the space and how it looks from a blockchain perspective. But we'd like to kind of take a step deeper today. So we'll see if we're able to achieve that for you guys. Um, and if not, our bad, but we tried our best. Um, so Ryan, first, I'd like to I always like to start with why. So I'd love to know from you, kind of, why are you working in the attention economy and why, you know, working on something like yours specifically? Yeah, so I, I have sort of two answers to that. Uh, so I come at this from the point of view of being someone that was very interested in Bitcoin for a lot of different reasons. So I discovered Bitcoin in 2011, and I thought it was just absolutely mind-blowing technology that had so much potential, it could really change the world. Uh, so one of my sort of... Uh, trains of thought was just trying to figure out a way to make Bitcoin reach a mainstream audience. So I did things like this is kind of technical, but I deliberately decided to focus on JavaScript applications because JavaScript is the language of the internet and you can write consumer apps in JavaScript. So I really decided to shape my whole career around uh, uh, creating uh, you know, uh, mainstream consumer apps on, on Bitcoin. The other uh, sort of direction I come at this is uh, I had this opportunity to join Reddit as a cryptocurrency engineer. And I've been a longtime user of Reddit, and I thought, you know, this is, this is potentially the coolest opportunity of my life to you know, bring cryptocurrency to Reddit. I mean, just imagine the cool things we could do. So that's a whole other story. I'll, I'll skip it unless you want me to go into details. But basically, it didn't work out at Reddit. Uh, but I just couldn't let go of the ideas that, that we talked about and. I talked with a lot of people, uh, users of Reddit, and uh, people that aren't users of Reddit, but who like the ideas uh, about involving you know, putting cryptocurrency into a platform like Reddit. So eventually, I decided to just start my own company around this idea, and we're going to do something involving cryptocurrency and social media. And it's kind of open-ended. It was like at, at first we didn't have a clear idea what that meant, but we just saw so many different ideas that it was more a matter of what is the best idea or the right idea to pursue within this giant space of possibilities? So over a long period of time, we, we built a lot of technology and talked with a lot of people and ended up building yours.org, which is uh, like Medium with a paywall. It's a very simple idea. All it is is users can write an article with embedded video and audio and things of that sort, and they can put a paywall in their article and they can charge however much they want to charge, but you can charge really small amounts of money, say 10 cents or even less, say 5 cents. And it's so simple, but actually this didn't really exist before. There's never been an, a simple uh, you know, blogging service where you could simply just charge a small amount of money. And there's a lot of reasons we think about why that is, but, but basically we think Bitcoin, well, maybe not Bitcoin specifically, but let's say blockchain technology, makes it possible for us to do this for the first time. So... That's sort of how, how I come at this, from both a technical view of liking Bitcoin 
and this sort of uh, social view of, of seeing the potential of combining that technology with, with social media. Yeah, I love that. And, and some quick thoughts on the top of my brain from that. First, on the JavaScript side, I advise this company called Rodan, which makes a a JavaScript framework for creating VR and AR apps. And they had the exact same mindset that you have, which is, hey, there's this new technology, but we we are at the innovators and the early adopter level right now. And we're like, how can we bring this more into the mainstream? Um, and so they're making a JavaScript-based thing. And that reminds me of yours. And it also reminds me of yours in the sense that like, making something just so simple. A lot of the successful groups in this space, like 21.co, yours reminds me a lot of 21.co. And that 21.co is a very simple concept. It's just like, hey, if I want to message you, Ryan, I can't just spam your inbox. I have to pay you or pay you with the possibility of if you respond, then I have to pay you a dollar or whatever. And I feel like yours is similar to 21.co in that sense, but instead of for paying for asks, you're essentially paying for consumption. Is that, is that an accurate analogy there? Absolutely. I mean, 21.co is, uh, they are more philosophically aligned with what we're doing than I think just about any other project. It's, it's actually one of the ideas we thought of. And for various reasons, we did a different product, but it's, it's, a, it's the same idea, which is the, the thought of putting social, sorry, the thought of putting micropayments inside of a social app, it's very open-ended what you could do with it. There are a lot of different possibilities and 21.co is one of them uh, and ours is a different one. Yep, totally. And that's another thing I love about yours is that there's a lot of work within the blockchain space around uh, thinking. Thinking is fun. <laughs> thinking is a great thing, but actually getting out there and doing things. And, and yours, you guys just uh, went into alpha recently. Um, and I'd love to know a little bit more about from you, you know, and, and even you kind of dog food fed yourself um, by you know, the actual alpha post was on yours written by you. And when I scrolled through and tried to read it, it said, oh, you have to pay 15 cents <laughs> to read the rest of it. Um, so could you kind of talk to me a little bit more about the alpha release, how it's been going thus far? If you know how many people have like clicked the spend 15 cents on your on your button, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. So. Yeah. So from the dog fooding point of view, I mean, we're, we're big believers that we're really trying to solve this problem and it's really best if we do use our own product. So we certainly intend to continue putting uh, content that we create as a company on the platform because uh, we can see where all the problems are. There, there are a lot of bugs that we're aware of that we're, we're fixing. Uh, and so it, it really helps us make the best product that we can. Um, uh, let's see. So uh, you know, with respect to how the alpha is going, uh, so we, you know, it took actually a very long time to build this. Uh, it's, it's, we're still pretty early in the, in this sort of history of this technology. It's pretty hard to build apps like this. So it took a long time. So we're incredibly happy that we got to the point where we were able to launch our alpha. I mean, it, it's a huge deal for us that we're, we're celebrating that, uh, you know, we, we launched, um, there are still a lot of bugs as I was saying a minute ago though. So it's so technically hard to fit all the pieces together that there are just a whole bunch of edge cases about everything about how this how this works uh, that we just have to fix and uh, you know make it work well so with that being said I'm actually very encouraged that people uh, like it well enough to to use it at this early stage in spite of all the bugs uh, so we have uh, oh, it's something like several people posting content per day uh, we have several payments per day um, so it's it's good at an at an alpha level and you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic that as basically as we fix the bugs talk with our users, figure out what are the biggest pain points and fix all that stuff, I think we, we have a pretty bright future. Yeah, I like it. And just looking at some of the the yours feed right now on the on yours.org, um, it's funny, when, and the one that I'm most excited by, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit more later, is 
these new kind of and, and you've talked about because you've created a paywall it creates a new kind of content form essentially the kind of the technology yeah. informs the kind of content that is created um and like you've said you can kind of take a for a given article you say hey this is going to be really exciting oh but you have to pay to see the rest of it um that kind of content i think will exist on yours in a really cool way and i really like this one on the your site right now which is which says giveaway of bitcoin worth one dollar to ten people who break the code um and so that one it might be some kind of interesting mystery it might be some kind of interesting thing where you kind of it, it just reminds me of these new kinds of like storytelling or kind of ways to use and utilize yours um in this new world so i'm excited by some of the headlines that i've seen on the on the feed thus far yeah yeah, I think, uh, you know, one way I think about it is I've described it as a new art form for the Internet. Yep, exactly. Uh, and we've picked one particular way to put payments into, into social. You could imagine others. But it does inform the way you create the content. So if you know that you can uh, put a paywall inside your content, you'll shape it differently. I mean, yep. you'll do something new that you wouldn't have otherwise done uh, now that you can have this option of putting a paywall in there. Yep, exactly. I love that. Did you see, by the way, the SB Nation piece, 17,776? I don't think so. I haven't seen that. I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards. It's a, it's a great piece on new internet-informed storytelling pieces. Um, and so that's kind of a – that's that's one that is just purely based on the internet, and I'm excited to see versions of that with yours later. Um, but back to yours, a question that I have for you is who do you think of – I remember – you guys in the past were thinking of different kinds of early adopters for your system, um, for yours. How do you think about early adopters and who is it Who is it very important for? Because there's some people who are just trying to blog whatever on Medium and then you have some people who are on the really extreme end of the spectrum who are making money off of like, you know, maybe YouTube or whatever. Who do you think is, is going to be in that nice middle ground where they say, hey, I actually want to make 10 cents per post um, or per, per, per paywall. So can you tell me more about how you think about early adopters? Sure. So uh, one way to think about early adopters is, uh, you know, we, we sort of naturally get people interested in cryptocurrency. So a lot of the people simply are people already involved in cryptocurrency in one way or another. Uh, so those people already have thought of an idea like this or something. And so they immediately get it a little bit more easily than, than other people. Yep. Um, but the real audience we're going for are all those people out there that want to be a content creator or a curator and the, the tools that they have at their disposal for various reasons aren't appropriate for them. So uh, you could imagine uh, someone that's developed a, a following on social media uh, and uh, you know, maybe they're a journalist and all they want to do is write an article and put a paywall in it. We're, the, we're an option for those people. Um, people that uh, are trying to uh, you know, transition from you know, maybe uh, you know, the, the world is changing a lot right now. So, a lot of the jobs that people have are quickly becoming uh, obsolete. Yep. Um, you know, it's kind of a tangential subject, but I'll mention one example, which is uh, people who drive cars. Yep. Uh, there are, you know, there's a lot of work being done on self-driving cars. So if your job is to drive people around, uh, that job might not last who knows how long. But these same people, actually, many of them uh, are uh, people that want to create content for a living. Yep. And you know, by creating a, a new option for them, a way that they can earn money that's different than their, their job driving car, but that they enjoy more and that is more aligned with what they actually want to do with their life, those are the real people we're going for. It's all those people out there that are looking for a new way to 
make their way in life, uh, and we'll help them. And we're going to help those people, uh, you know, monetize uh, their craft, their art, or their journalism, or whatever it is. Uh, those are the real target audience we're going for. Yeah, that makes sense. And I agree that the the interesting thing about something like yours and about things in the attention economy generally is exactly what you're talking about, which is the future of work, um, where you have the classic old job loop maybe going away to some extent, or the versions that are blue collar jobs or, you know, clearly like agricultural jobs. Um, and so when those people kind of start to transition out, what kinds of work are they going to be doing? Um, and specifically in this new system where you have like the crowd, um, a crowd of people on the internet that are doing freelancing on Fiverr or that are doing stuff on Ethlance or that are, you know, possibly working on, you know, yours, how do they, how do they monetize their time? Um, so I, th I think that that's actually quite aligned. So yeah, you're thinking, and I agree with the cryptocurrency point as well, which is that um, for a lot of people in the cryptocurrency space these days, the early adopters are fellow cryptocurrency people. You know, if you look on Steemit, there's a lot of cryptocurrency talk, you know, because those are the people that are interested in that. And they're like, oh, I want to find other people who would like to talk. Um, yeah, so cryptocurrency people. So have you found any initial early adopters who are like super aligned with you, who like see the same vision and who want to? And I guess a secondary question on that, which is, you know, a classic way that you can kind of incentivize these networks for something like yours is through using a token and by the early adopters get in on the token at the beginning. Um, you guys don't have a token. Could you talk more about that and why that is? Yeah, sure. So so uh, so two points to the early adopters. So we, ha we have a number of people that have actually been with us for a really, really long time. That's so awesome. the genesis of this project goes back almost two years, arguably even even back further than that when I worked at Reddit. But these people like have believed in the idea really strongly and have have watched us, <laughs> you know, struggle to actually build this thing over a long period of time. And they're still around and they like it and they've they've posted some content on the app. Yeah. So we do have that type of user that really believes in what we're doing and really likes it and is is they're cheering us on. So That's those are awesome. great users uh, for us to have as as a as a you know, as a company and a, and a project. Um, the, the token thing is, a, is, a, is an interesting question. So when we first started working on this almost two years ago, um, people, there are basically two directions we could have gone in. We could have used an existing cryptocurrency uh, like Bitcoin, which we started with Bitcoin, uh, or we could make a new coin. Yep. Uh, for a lot of reasons, we decided to use Bitcoin because the infrastructure around Bitcoin not just technical, but things like the exchanges, yeah. you know, the, the wallets, all that stuff was much, much, much more mature on Bitcoin than anything else. So there are a lot of reasons why Bitcoin was better. It was, it was much easier for our users to sort of get in and out with Bitcoin. And there didn't seem to be a compelling reason to make a new coin. It just seemed like it would be harder for our users. So we decided to go that route of uh, using Bitcoin. Yep. Now, there's, there's more to that story, of course. We ended up switching from Bitcoin to Litecoin. I'll, I'll leave that aside for the moment. Uh, but we did consider making a token. We sort of revisited this idea over time. Like maybe we could just make our own new token. Yep. Um, but we remain convinced that actually for, from the user's point of view, the mm -hmm. bigger the coin is that we use on the platform, the better it is for them. So there, there doesn't seem to be a strong reason for us to make a new one. Yep. Uh, the best reason and the reason why I think most of these tokens exist are for fundraising. Yep. So, uh, you know, there's there's kind of a, a sort of a an ICO, you know, uh, we're living through some type of hype or something where 
there are tons of these new tokens that people are creating. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm sure some of them are totally good and will last and be around and whatnot. And have utility value, yep. yeah. Uh, but some of them won't. And you know, so our philosophy is, you know, I, why we just didn't we didn't see a compelling reason to use one, and it, it felt very uh, like there are other ways we can raise money, and of course, we're a business, we can earn money as well. Yep. Um, so we just didn't need to make one. So that's not, the, it's not the direction we went down and, and we're not planning on going down that route, uh, uh, uh at this time. I mean, we're going to stick with Litecoin for the foreseeable future. Definitely. And I think it's actually connected to your point about, and, and reminds me of, uh, I talked with Naveen, who's the, um, one of the co-founders of this thing called crowdraising.co. And right now they don't have any tokens in their platform. It's essentially one where you can pledge time, not money. Um, and because it's a similar reason, it's like if you are, if you're way deep in on the cryptocurrency land, then maybe it makes sense to do an ICO. Maybe it makes sense to tokenize things. What's the utility value of the token, et cetera. But if you're just trying to kind of show how blockchain can you know incentivize or can can create microtransactions and to bring that out to the general populace? Well, those are people who aren't going to be able to participate in ICOs, and instead, you know, the the cost to get into the platform is much much less. And something like Litecoin, they can yes. just go onto Coinbase, you know, and that's easy. So that's yeah. nice. Okay, and yeah. and one final question on yours before we transition to kind of the the macro um, abstract perspective here is. Tell me a little bit more about your business model and specifically around the um, – you've talked about having a 20% uh, take on transactions, which is actually not that high of a transaction rate. Um, but then over time, there's this new kind of platform cooperativism mindset within blockchains where you say, hey – all the money doesn't need to go to me. You know, it can go more to the users. If someone takes an Uber ride, that money shouldn't all go to San Francisco or whatever. Um, that concept is an interesting one. is similar to kind of what I have on Patreon where I am like capping my income and giving it to other people's universal basic incomes or whatever. But how do you, how do you have people talked about like the trust aspect there where you're like, haha, we told you we were going to decrease the transaction fee from 20% to 10%, but now we're not and I own an island on Cuba or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, well, uh, so on the on the business model, so uh, the theory was always we, you know, there are a lot of different ways we could imagine earning money from this, but we think this absolute simplest one is just we just take a percentage of the of the payments on the platform. So we have to fund our business. Uh, you know, it's a real business, uh, and so we we ended up arriving at this figure of twenty percent uh, through a, a, sort of a few different ways. Um, for one thing, it's it's lower than traditional competitors like YouTube or uh, Amazon, uh, other places where they have some type of platform where you can post content, they often take larger amounts like 30 or 40%. So 20% was sort of on the low end of those figures. It makes us outcompete those traditional players. But the other thing is it's like, well, why wouldn't it be much, much lower? Like logically, uh, you know, you could imagine the business could maybe survive on 1% or something like that. Uh, well, we couldn't survive on 1% today because the payments, there just aren't enough payments. So the theory was, well, as we scale as a business, we can just lower it. Uh, so, you know, as we, uh, one way to think about it is uh, if, we, uh, if we grow in size by 10 times and we cut the amount that we take in half, well, the business is still earning five times more money. I mean, that's pretty good success for us as a business. So we can easily have outstanding success as a business while constantly lowering those payments over time. Uh, no one has actually asked me the trust aspect of that uh, yet. Um, there is definitely some trust there. I mean, you know, you could imagine we just don't lower it or something. I don't think that, that what would happen in that scenario is we would just have competitors. 
because the reality is you can lower it. So somebody would make a competitor and they would just make us a, a cheaper version of it. So I think competition would end up forcing us to lower it anyway. So uh, I, I think we're trustworthy. We'll, we'll do, uh, we're, we're not interested in, in scamming people. I mean, we're, we're trying to make a platform that works for our users. We'll, we'll, uh, we, we want our users to earn as much money as possible. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, there is a trust aspect, but uh, uh, I, we'll, we'll leave it up to our users to decide whether to use our platform or to use somebody else's uh, on a basis of whether it's, uh, we hold that, uh, that philosophy or not. Yep, totally. And I, I think that, that that starting with why version of things, where if you guys, like you're saying, especially in this blockchain-based reality where it's easier to break network effects than it once was because of the financial incentive of tokens, if you're a company that's still taking 20% and you guys are kind of being mean or whatever and you get a bad rating within the blockchain industry, people are going to be like, no, this isn't good. And, and it'll be easier to break your network effect, you know, if we think like 10 years from now than it was to break Facebook's network effect um, because people are able to incentivize, um, people are able to incentivize the early creation of networks and because there's such a start with why kind of distributed decentralized platform cooperativism mentality within the blockchain land, um, that'd be, I'd be optimistic going forward. Do you agree with all that? Yeah, sure. Uh, totally. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so, um, any final uh, thoughts or questions on yours before we kind of transition to a more macro attention economy? Uh, no, I think um, I'm interested in uh, talking about this other stuff. Yeah, cool. So um, now we're going to transition to part two of the podcast where we talk a little bit, not necessarily about yours, but specific, but more in an abstract general sense um, about the attention economy and how we kind of see it changing over the coming years. Um, so what I'd love to talk about actually first and foremost is – how Ryan, you think about there's this there's this concept of um, uh, of empathy in these kind of filter bubbles, um, and something like Facebook has they because they're incentivized to have you more with more time on the platform. They'll give you more things that you like, which is both clickbait and is things that you already believe in. Um, and so it's tough to 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 kind of break out of those filter bubbles and to get a red feed and a blue feed. Um, there's projects that are trying to do this. Um, this one called like High from the Other Side, which connects uh, essentially liberals and uh, Republicans, um, Democrats and Republicans in America to talk with each other to try to just like <laughs> not demonize the other essentially. Um, and so one thing that I'm interested by in the space is the ability for new kind of blockchain-based projects to kind of, you know, change the existing paradigm with filter bubbles and things like Facebook and to kind of incentivize um, empathy with people who are not necessarily similar to you. So kind of how do you, how do you think about that and specifically on yours, how do you think about kind of building a platform where the content that people are consuming is both aligned with them and sometimes is not aligned with them? Yeah, sure. So uh, on Facebook, you know, Facebook's business model is primarily based on advertising. And this really shapes the way that Facebook as a product works. I think that advertising, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it has ups and downs. Uh, so, I mean, I think in many ways, Facebook, Facebook is working well, but in many ways it isn't. I think it could work a lot better. Um, the incentives of ads are basically, uh, if you want to earn money as a content creator based on ads, you write an article or create a video or whatever, and you put an ad on it or beside it or whatever. And the incentives of this are that you want people to just look at your content so that they look at the ad and then they get paid based on looks. And looking at it is kind of disconnected from the quality or the <laughs> substance or the meaningfulness of the content. 
so the incentives are to just get people to click on things and look at them. Uh, and Facebook is really designed around this a lot. I mean, Facebook has a lot of, they put a lot of work into getting users to engage on the platform and look at things and click on things. But this isn't necessarily good for you. I mean, it's not you're not necessarily winning anything. You're just kind of addicted to looking around and clicking on things. Um, so there are ups and downs, uh, and I, our, our approach is, you know, completely different. Um, I think that, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll address these issues the following way. Uh, we think that by putting micropayments in the platform and using this in innovative ways, we can have completely different models for how all this stuff works. So we can empower, for instance, um, imagine, uh, there is someone is a scientist and they curate a feed of good, accurate information, if we decide, if we design the sort of uh, the, the, the payments correctly so that when you're making a payment or receiving a payment or a payment is being divided amongst other people, uh, if we do this correctly, and there are a lot of unknowns here, we have a bunch of ideas about how to do this, so hopefully we'll do it right, uh, but the incentives can be completely different from ads. So we believe we are able to incentivize true information, that we're able to incentivize substantive information. Uh, we're able to incentivize an article that's well-researched. Um, so that's what we're shooting for. And so we're not using advertising. Uh, we're using all these other mechanisms based on micropayments uh, to, to really try and improve the quality uh, of content on the Internet uh, and, uh, uh, and get people you know, paid uh, for, uh, for creating high-quality content. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, and, and whenever we talk about incentives, which is probably the – it, with with respect to the rest of the world, how often blockchain people talk about incentives is like many orders of magnitude higher. Um, I think that you're right in saying that if we can change the incentive model, then we can change. And, and even as you're saying, like both creating the incentive model, you will have hypotheses for what's going to happen. But there's also going to be kind of emergent behavior for like, oh, wow, this is interesting. I wouldn't have expected our platform to be used like this, um, but, but that may happen. Um, how do you think – yeah, so I, th I think that makes sense. Um, and I think that the it, uh, there's there are some platforms that are working specifically on the fake news side of things. Um, there's one called Civil, which is a block. Have you heard of Civil, a blockchain-based um, news agency, essentially? I've heard of it. I'm not. Yeah, they're they're that. doing like a fact checking as a service, which is a way to essentially incentivize, kind of in a uh, auger or gnosis way, to say, hey, let's get facts into the system here. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think another thing I think about with respect to this is, you know, in, in kind of negative behavior that can cr create itself online is with things like trolls on the Internet. Um, and I don't know if trolls are necessarily bad, um, but could you talk a little bit more about you've talked about kind of a comment system that you guys are thinking about sure. that could sure. be uh, that could kind of disincentivize trolling, essentially. Yeah. So that's a that's a great uh, sort of. A question that frames you know, sort of a particular problem that we think we can, if not solve, we can at least make it a little bit better mm -hmm. uh, than it is. So uh, there's a there's I would I think it's fair to say there is a problem of trolling on the internet. Um, trolling is where uh, it's free for people to say whatever they want to say on social media. So this happens on Twitter a lot. It happens on Reddit a lot. Uh, where someone is just going to be perpetually negative to you about something. For some reason, they don't like you, and so they just start replying to everything you say with something negative. Something It can be lightly negative, or in some cases it can be extremely negative. Uh, and so you could block them. You know, Twitter has a block feature, and 
But sometimes these people make new accounts and they just keep trolling you. Uh, and it's incredibly irritating. Uh, and I've experienced this firsthand on a number of different occasions for various reasons. I get involved in something that turns out to be controversial, at least with respect to some audience. And so I get trolled and it's really annoying. Um, so one way to address this is, so we have a, look at, uh, look at YouTube as an example. So YouTube has a commenting system and YouTube videos sometimes are, are trolled. So somebody creates a video that for some reason is, uh, controversial. And so they get some people on there just saying something really negative. YouTube has two options for its comments uh, for the authors or the creators. Either the comments are free, in which case you can post a comment, or the, or the comments are infinitely expensive, which is you can't post any comments at all. But wouldn't it be interesting if the creator could simply set a price for posting a comment, or posting a comment on their article? Imagine they charge 10 cents, something pretty low, but something not zero either. I mean, you got to actually pay 10 cents to post a comment. You're only going to get people that really actually want to comment on something, if the trolls have to pay you 10 cents to be able to troll you, they're less likely to troll you. And also, if they do troll you, at least you get 10 cents out of it. So we think that model, giving, giving the power for the creator to set a price for comments, uh, has the potential to make that significantly better. If you're someone that, for whatever reason, is trolled a lot, you could charge more. Charge $1 or $10, right? Uh, and that way, you know, the, the barrier is much higher for those trolls, uh, to, to troll you. Yeah. That reminds me of, did you see the April fools from this year, the r slash place? Um, yes. Yeah. I, well, I, saw, I saw r slash place. I'm not sure I saw the April fool. Oh, or, saw, it, it was it, on it, April it, fools technically. Yeah. Um, so r slash place is a, uh, is a N by N, I think it was like maybe 10,000 by 10,000 grid of pixels and different, uh, you could every 20 minutes, um, you got, uh, you recharged your ability to change a pixel on this r slash place. Um, and the thing that was interesting with it is just like you're saying, there is a, if there's a scarcity with respect to something like comments where it's 10, 10 cents per comment, if there's a cost, um, that was similar in r slash place where you there was a scarcity with respect to the amount of pixels that you could change. Um, and what they found was more people um, came together over good things, essentially, rather than trolling. Essentially, there wasn't – it was hard to get troll communities together. It was much more difficult to troll, and it was a lot easier for people to come together over, like, a shared purpose. Um, and so I think that we might see similar things of that variety when you have scarce resources, whether it's Litecoin or time with our slash place. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a, it's a different – it's a different – completely different product and sort of uh, example. But, yeah, I mean, they're clearly – we can do better on the internet with, with respect to getting people to collaborate productively. I think. Yep. Yeah, that is the goal. Um, cool. Um, well, that was a fun conversation about uh, ways to incentivize better content um, on the internet. Uh, before we fully conclude and talk about some takeaways, what is one final thing that you would like to say to the listener? It can be silly, self-promoting, completely on off-topic, non-sequitur, anything. Well, sure. I mean, uh, so please visit us at yours.org and uh, try try our app. Uh, right now, we have uh, we we are aware of the bugs. So if you try it out, you'll see that there are bugs. Please just let us know either on the platform itself, or you can join our Slack channel and, and contact us directly. Uh, you know what your experience is like and what's important for you that we can fix. Uh, that's the top thing we can do right now is is work with our users to figure out the most important. Uh, you know, problems or features that we can add uh, to make the platform better. 
Boom. That sounds great. And one thing, the kind of early adopter that I personally am most excited by for yours is the storytelling version. So if you're a storyteller out there that is selling your books for free on Kindle, instead try some new kinds of short form content on yours that has a 15 cent paywall or maybe a $2 paywall midway through whatever you'd like. Um, yeah. Cool. That sounds great. Um, so yeah, for me, the, the takeaways kind of in conclusion here are you have something like yours. You guys are um, you're working on it because you want to actually create a consumer application within the cryptocurrency land. And this one is in alpha, is live, doesn't require more complicated things like buying into an ICO. You can use it with Coinbase and Litecoin. Um, and your early adopters right now are people who are primarily cryptocurrency facing and really anybody who is in this kind of who wants to experiment with some of these new forms of content. And you have people who have been with you um, for a while who want to see this new version of monetization on the internet. Um, so you're all in on that. Um, and then we talked a little bit about the uh, exploring the macro attention economy and specifically this way of incentives and disincentives for bad content on the internet and the way to kind of um, how can we think about trolls and how can we make them pay for their time um, and then also how do we think about filter bubbles and, and, and primarily we think about it as hey they're going to be this full new if we're in a world that's not advertising based but instead is microtransaction based then um, that's a different incentive system and we will see new emergent behaviors uh, react to that but they might not be the current self-fulfilling prophecy filter bubble ones um, so that's what I see as our conversation do you have any other final thoughts on that well I, I think I'll, I, you know, I, I'm very optimistic about the application of, of this new technology to solving these problems I mean I, I think that we're seeing a bunch of innovative products that people are making uh, yours is one of them uh, and there are a bunch of others, and it's very exciting that uh, I think that we're we're in the midst of a sort of revolution with respect to uh, the the end user products that are being created that are going to uh, you know solve many of these problems, uh, if not all of them, and we're going to have a better internet uh, shortly here, year over year. I mean, things are getting better, so it's I'm very excited about all that. I super super agree, um, and hopefully, yeah, our attention on the internet will be better used in the future, and it'll be awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Ryan. Um, and if you guys want to go, you can go to uh, yours.org to check out Ryan's work, um, Ryan X. Charles's work, as it were. Um, and if you want to support me, you can go to patreon.com slash Rieslandmark. That's slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Um, thanks so much for your time, and uh, hope you have a good week, people. Bye.